Amen. So we're just happy for all the visitors and people that are with us today. If you're joining us by way of the internet, we welcome you, amen, to just create an atmosphere, amen, that God would be pleased. Hallelujah. Let's sing the little song, Worthy is the Lamb Seated on the Throne, Q of G. <clears throat> Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the Price you pay, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came, and you gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord, and thank you for the Wash me in your cleansing flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. 
song in Christ alone, key of G. In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles alone. For I've been blessed beyond measure, and by His strength alone I overcome. I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my head. But those trophies could not equal to the great by which I stand. In Christ alone, I place my trust. Find my glory in the past. 
power of the cross in every of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. In Christ alone do I glory, for only by His grace I am Tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my need. Oh, and now I see no greater honor than just to know Him more and to count my gains and losses to the glory. In Christ alone, oh, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory that it be said of me, my source of strength, oh, my soul. In Christ alone, sing it again. And in Christ alone, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be saved. My source of hope is Christ alone. Amen. Let's praise Him some more. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our praise, friends. Hallelujah. Isn't that lovely? Man, nothing will chase away the clouds of darkness. Man, the clouds of doubt despair, whatever you're going through, like praising your Lord Jesus. Amen. I've had a song on my heart. I've been singing it through the week, the homecoming week. Amen. Key of D, I have it, but we know how that goes. (laughs) We're going to try it anyways. They could pull that up. The homecoming week. Upon our journey here below, we'll meet with pain and loss. Sometimes a heavy crawl, the dreary road to Calvary, the bitter gold to sting. But what's inside those gates of pearl will be worth everything. When we're inside the gates of pearl, we'll learn a lot of things. We'll have a heart that's made of gold. Perhaps a thousand strings We'll sing and shout and dance about The Lamb will dry our tears 
we'll have a grand home coming week, first 10,000 years. The shadows now begin to fall, the time is drawing nigh. When Christ our Lord shall come again, lightning from the sky. And while we wait and suffer here, shall we sing? Oh, one glimpse through those early gates be worth everything. Here inside the gates, heard and learned a lot of things. We'll have a heart that's made of gold, perhaps a thousand strings. We'll sing and shout and dance about. And we'll dry our tears. We'll have a grand home coming week, first in thousand years. The precious blood of God's own Son is saved and sanctified. A wondrous people for His name, they are called the bride. Though here neglected and despised, one day the Lord will bring. Chosen ones within those gates, and that's worth everything. But when we're inside those gates, we'll learn a lot of things. We'll have a heart that's made of gold, perhaps a thousand strings. We'll sing and shout and dance about the land and dry our tears. We'll have a grand home. Coming week, first 10,000 years. Oh, and we're inside the gates of Pearl. Learn a lot of things. We'll have a heart that's made of gold. Perhaps a thousand strings. We'll sing and shout, dance about, and we'll dry our tears. Oh, coming week, first 10,000 years. And we'll have a grand homecoming week, the first 10,000 years. Amen. Hallelujah. Can't wait to walk on those streets of gold. Amen. Amen. Let's sing the song, I Found the Way That Leads to Endless Day. Amen. I have found the way that leads to endless day yonder in the glory land. Oh, and the way is bright, oh, Jesus is the light, and I hold his guiding hand. Come on, sing it. Oh, I have found the way. Have you found it now? Oh, I found the way. Oh, glory, hallelujah, yes, I have found the way. Well, I will never fear while Jesus is so near. I will bravely beat the foe and happy songs I'll sing. And to glory on the gold. Well, now I have found the way. Yes, oh, I have found the way. Oh, glory, hallelujah. 
Jesus, I have found the way. Well, to the journey's end, led by a faithful friend, never more in sin to roam. By the way, called straight, I'll reach the golden gate of the soul's eternal home. Well, I have found the way. Yes, I have found the way. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Oh, I have found the way. Well, Jesus, hold my hand. Oh, I need you every hour. Pilgrim land, oh yes, protect me by the saving power. Oh, hear my feeble plea, oh Lord. Look down on me, and while I kneel in prayer, I know meet you there. Blessed Jesus, oh my hand. Listen now. As I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Well, he leads me safely through that sinking sand. His name is the Calvary. And this would be my prayer, dear Lord, each day to help me to do the best that I can. For I need thy light to guide me day and night. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Well, Jesus, hold my hand. I need every eye. Well, through this pilgrim land, protect me. By thy saving power, hear my feeble plea, oh Lord, look down on me, and while I kneel in prayer, oh I hope to meet you there, blessed Jesus, oh my hand, well let me travel this light divine that I may see the blessed way. Keep me that I may be holy, thine and sing redemption song someday. Yes, I will be a soldier brave and true and ever firmly take that stand. And as I onward go, daily meet that full blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Sing it now. Well, Jesus, hold my hand. I need the every hour. While through this pilgrim land, protect me by the Oh, glory. 
look down on me, yes. And when I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Well, when I wander through the valley and toward the setting of the sun, oh, lead me safely to the land of rest and by a crown of life have won. I have put my faith in Thee, dear Lord, that I may reach the golden strand. And there's no other friend on whom I can depend. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. One more time now. Oh, Jesus, hold my hand. I need every eye this pilgrim land protect me by thy hear my feeble plea oh Lord look down on me and when I kneel in prayer I hope to meet you there blessed Jesus Hold my hand And when I kneel in prayer I hope to meet you there Blessed Jesus Hold my hand Thank you, Jesus Glory to God Glory to God, Amen Can't wait to hold His hand, Amen When I step through those pearly gates one day Won't that be a beautiful thing for I tell you, my, my goodness, where do we go from here? <laughs> Hallelujah. We'll change order of our service, amen, and we've got some needs to take before the Lord, but just before we do that, man, just want to calm our spirits, amen, and man, just enter a mode of worship here, amen. Let's sing that song, The Power of Your Love, amen, key of F. <laughs> Lord, I come to you, oh, let my heart be changed and renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Oh, Jesus. And as I wait 
power rise up like the eagles and I will with you your spirit leads me on in the power of your love oh Lord unveil my eyes let me see you face to face the knowledge of your love as you Sister Carrie Whitlock in prayer. Uh, she has pneumonia, and so we we'll just want to hold her up before the Lord that God would touch her body. And uh, uh, Sister Becky's cousin, uh, if you remember her in prayers, and her name is Judy Rodriguez. Um, she's having uh, complications with uh, chemotherapy treatments. And it's a very serious situation, so we want to remember them in prayer. I have a request here for Sister Haley, Caitlin, Grace, and Crystal Johnson to keep them in prayer. Amen. Whatever that need may be there. Amen. I want to remember Sister Lisa Paschal in prayer. If you would, she uh, has some respiratory issues she's dealing with. If you'll pray for her, God would touch her also. And remember Sister Mary Smith. Amen. And we certainly are glad to have Brother Samuel back with us today. I know he had a Real tough ordeal that he was going through. And glad God touched his body. Amen. So it's good to have you here with us, brother. 
That's all I have at this time. We have unspoken prayer requests by uplifted hands, and we'll pray with you, friends. Come now, Brother Jonathan. Let's pray. Lord, we bow our heads this morning, and we uh, come humbly before your throne. We're thankful to have congregated this morning in your house, Lord. May we have ears to hear and hearts to receive this morning what you have for us. We pray you forgive us of our faults and failures. Lord, we thank you for being our healer this morning. You heal every sickness. You heal every disease, Lord. And we uh, come humbly now when we ask you that you touch these prayer requests that have been spoken before the congregation, Lord. May you touch Sister Whitlock with the pneumonia and the Sister Rodriguez going through the complications with her chemo, Lord. Lord, you know... um, cancer. Lord, you've taken all of our infirmities, Lord. May you be with her, Lord. May you bring her through with the healing hand, Lord. We're so thankful for all you've done for us, Lord. And now may you take the word, Lord, and bind it about our neck and write it upon the tables of our hearts, Lord. We just want to leave a better people to serve you, Lord, to be a witness on this earth, to testify of your goodness and your grace to us, Lord. We're so thankful this morning. Now may you receive our praise and worship, Lord. May you bless the minister, Lord, and may you give him the benediction he needs to preach the word, your powerful word, your healing word, your virtuous word, Lord. And may it just bring and touch every life here, Lord. We're so thankful now. And we just commit the remainder of the service into your hands. And we're so thankful again, Lord. We just just commit everything to you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jonathan. You can have your seats. Man, Brother Keith has a special for us at this time. Man, uh, while he's ready, Brother. All right, we'll just let Brother Keith take it over from here. Amen. I just want to take just a real quick second, and you hear all these prayer requests and all the... There's just so much bad news and things going on in the world, but I just want to take a second and brag on the goodness of God. Uh, I had left Monday night out on a trip, and uh, it was about 11.30 Monday night, and uh, there was just some kind of sickness, pain, kind of like what Brother Sam was experiencing come over me Monday night, and uh, I was in so much pain. I'm, I have a pretty high pain tolerance, but this this actually put me on the, on the side of the road, and uh, it went on most of the night, and finally uh, Tuesday morning I just got to a point I remembered that I had a prayer cloth that Brother Barry had given me some years ago. And I just took this prayer cloth and I just laid it on my side. And I said, God, the only thing I could say was, Lord, have mercy on me. That's all I could say. That's all the strength I could muster. And I went to sleep and I woke up and I haven't felt better since. I know that whatever your need is, it it doesn't matter. God has is is so good and I, I just want to thank him for touching me and for all the wonderful things he does for us my god is real amen he is so real there are some things i may not know there are some places i cannot go 
but I am sure of this one thing that God is real for I can feel him deep within some folks may doubt some folks may scorn all can go on and leave me alone But as for me I'll take God's part For God is real For I can't feel Him in my heart Don't you know God is real He's real in my soul is real for he has washed and made me whole his love for me is like pure gold my God is real for I can feel him in my soul I cannot tell Just how you felt When Jesus took Your sins away But since that day my soul sing it with me now oh don't you know God is real he's real in my soul my God is real for he has washed and made me whole his love for me Bye. 
God is real. Amen. He's a true, the one true and living God. Amen. We don't worship no idol. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Man, I believe the atmosphere is right for the word to be brought forth at this time. We're going to ask our deacons. They'll come forward and we're going to take up a morning offering and you just give as unto the Lord. Amen. I'll ask Brother Johnny if you would uh, lead us to the Lord in prayer for that. song together as our pastor comes through it all. Man, I'm glad he's brought us through so many things. Amen. Let's sing this song together to him. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. And many times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, He gave me blessed consolation. My trials only come to make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've Trust in Jesus, oh, I've learned to trust in God, oh, through it all, oh, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Well, I've been a lot of places, and I've seen a lot of faces, and there were times I felt so all alone. But in those lonely hours, those precious, lonely Hours, Jesus came that I am His own. Sing it now. Oh, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Oh, I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to 
upon his word. Last verse. And so I thank God for the mountain. And I thank him for the valley. And I thank him for storms he's brought me through. And if I never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve them? How could I know what faith in God can do? it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, I've learned to trust in God, through it all, I've Trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend on His word. Praise the Lord! Let's give Him an offering of praise this morning. We're going to sing again. I'd like to go to prayer first thing this morning, and I'd like to ask you especially to remember Brother Mike Altig. Uh, Some of you uh, know Brother Mike. Uh, He's a senior minister among us. He lives in Beach City in South Carolina, a very close friend to Brother Burley. And uh, Brother Mike was in a terrible accident uh, on yesterday, uh, on Friday. And uh, he was uh, driving along in his truck, and he was going to make arrangements for a funeral for somebody who was in his church. And uh, he, somebody T-boned him uh, and hit him directly uh, right in the passenger side, or the driver's side. And Brother Mike uh, is in ICU. He's in a very serious condition. He's in critical, uh, under critical care, and uh, he's got this. Uh, um, balance where he has a torn aorta and he has he's suffering with high blood pressure so they're uh if they raise the if they uh, let his blood pressure stand like it is then that puts pressure on the aorta but uh you know there's obviously real complications here he has bleeding on the brain a punctured lung all kinds of other uh, major injuries and uh, the family's reaching out and brothers all over the world are bringing this before their churches today Brother Mike traveled with us many times over to Russia and uh, Ukraine in former years, and uh, was a great help and a great uh, ministry to the people over there. And so if you would, I'd ask you to remember him this morning, especially in prayer. Let's bow our heads together. That's one special need, but I know there are many among us today. So 
hold your need before him this morning. God is never overwhelmed. God is never overwhelmed by what we could bring him. So you take your need this morning, place it at his feet. Heavenly Father, we address you this morning as our King and our Lord. and You are one Lord who always knows best. And Lord, your ways are certainly not our ways, Lord. Your ways are higher than our ways. You are the God who stands apart from every other person, Lord, in the universe. And now in the name of Jesus, we bring these needs before you this morning. As you brood upon us, Lord, I pray that you would search every heart. Lord Jesus, may you just bring that healing touch that's needed. May, Lord, you bring that answer that is sought for. Lord, whatever it is that we bear in our hearts, Lord, we know that you are capable and you are, you are certainly, Lord, well able to minister to every need. And Father, one of our co-workers today lays in ICU, Lord, in the hospital. And I lift Brother Mike before you this morning, Lord, knowing that you are a God who is able, Lord, to touch the most serious cases, Lord. There's not a thing in the world that escapes your attention, and there's not a thing in the world, Lord, that you cannot heal and repair. Father God, Brother Mike has lived for you and served you, Lord, many years and labored for the gospel's sake. And I pray now in the name of Jesus, not because he has labored, but, Lord, I pray because of the promise, Lord, that you, Lord, by your stripes we are healed. I pray that you would move, Lord, to the bedside of our servant, Brother Mike. And, Father, touch him, I pray. Give the doctors and nurses the guidance and wisdom, Lord, and the right decisions to make in this situation. Father, we pray you comfort his wife and bind up her wounds as well. I just commit him into your hands, Lord. And pray that, Lord, I know that if Brother Mike was in a conscious condition today, Lord, he'd be just reaching out to you and just looking to you as well today. Have your way, Lord, we pray. Bring healing to his body. And a great testimony, Lord, of your strength on his behalf today. We join our faith together, Lord, with many around the world and commit them to you. Bless this service, Lord. It's already been a blessing to be in the house of the Lord today. And Father, I I just ask now in Jesus' name that you would take complete control, Lord, and speak to our hearts, we pray. Bless everything that's done today. We commit it all to you in Jesus' lovely name. Amen and amen. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give. And by your plan, that's just the way it is. And you are God alone, and from before time began, you were on your throne, you were God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you were on your throne, you are God only God whose power none can contend. 
You're the only God whose name and praise will never end. You're the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God, and that's just the way it is. Oh, you are God, Lord, and from before time began, you're on your throne. You are God, Lord, and right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God, Lord. You're unchangeable. You're unshakable. You're unstoppable. That's what you are again. You're unchangeable, you're unshakable, you're unstoppable, and that's what you are. Oh, you were God of love, and from before time began, you were on your throne, you were God of Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful. While you're standing, I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, if you will, and uh, we'll look directly to the Word this morning. <clears throat> just want to say we're honored to be with God's people this morning, and uh, it is a blessing to see so many of you today, and we just appreciate uh, God's goodness to us. There's uh, many prayer requests and several uh, issues that we're obviously remembering, but uh, we know that God is good. Let me reiterate again uh, that uh, it's good to have Brother Samuel uh, with us today, Wednesday night. He was on his way to church and uh, had an attack, gallbladder, and uh, Brother Tom was telling me that uh, you know we were, we were just shorthanded and we needed somebody to go to the hospital. I wanted to go, but it was just before preaching time, and I, I was just scrambling, and I said, all right, we have to get somebody to go to the hospital. And uh, we looked out through my office door, and there was Brother David Cockman standing, or sitting right over here on this side. Brother Tom asked, Brother David, we need somebody to go to the hospital. David jumps up, grabs his coat. Brother Tom says, hey, wait, let me tell you why you're going. And uh, <laughs> filled him in, gave him the little short story. Off goes Brother David and, uh, you know, winds up in the hospital there with... Uh, Brother Samuel in the waiting room and all the chaos and all the, the all the story of what was going on. And before Brother Samuel goes in, Brother David lays hands on him and prays for him. And Brother Sam got inside that uh, ER area there in the in the urgent uh, care area, and uh, that pain begins to subside and just goes away. And when I got there, I was looking at Brother Samuel and I said, "Am I sure I'm in the right room here? This this guy looks pretty well." But that's our God; He moves on the scene. And Brother David, we thank you. I would tell you, I've seen that many times, how God will take somebody. Don't, doesn't have to be a minister. doesn't have to be, uh, you know, uh, some, somebody's, you know, having an office in the church or something like that. Hey, we're all believers. We believe God's word. 
And, you know, these signs follow them that believe. And we appreciate God's goodness to us. Well, let's take a, a, a little reading this morning. Sorry, I didn't tell you where we're going to be going. Uh, but let's do two places in the Bible, if you don't mind. We're going to go to Second Peter chapter 3. And we'll have you read uh, there this morning. Very common place in Scripture in Second uh, Peter chapter 3. There is no PowerPoint. So we're going to do this the old-fashioned manual way. Now, in Second um, Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, because he who preaches before the great dinner better make haste. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, we're not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack. And that word means slow. God is not slow like we think of slowness. He's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slowness. But as but is long-suffering to us were, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. We want to remember Joey Mayo is not here today. Uh, Sister Leah is not uh, with us today. She's with Joey, and we certainly want to remember um, them in prayer. We miss them today and the other folks that are not here. And uh, we are uh, glad to have uh, everybody who's back, Brother Daniel, back with us again. And uh, I met him this morning in the lobby and introduced myself, and I've uh, been gone a couple of weeks. And uh, some of our sisters are out in the hall here and making preparations for your lunch, and we appreciate that very much. I think Jeremy's got them hooked up so they can hear us out there, and uh, we appreciate the sisters very much and all the work that's gone into making today a special day. Uh, being our harvest day, so we have a, a dinner for everybody afterwards. But I'm also really especially honored today uh, to welcome Sister Joan Ashong uh, with us. We flew Brother Tim's wife over, Sister Joan, uh, to be with Brother Tim. He's got surgery on uh, November 14th, and Sister Joan waved to everybody. Uh, we are just honored to have her uh, with us today. And I said we threw a special dinner in her honor just for arriving today. And uh, welcome, Sister Joan. <clears throat> she was here uh, in the U.S. 18 years ago, and uh, we're just uh, honored to have her with us and to be with Brother Tim uh, over these uh, next couple of weeks here. Well, uh, I, I don't want to prolong uh, the service today, obviously, and uh, we've gone a little over, uh, over time here already, but I, I wanted to just share just a little thought that was on my heart, and this is just uh, something that... Um, uh, hopefully will blend with what we talked about uh, two Sundays ago. We talked about uh, Revelation and God's way of doing things, and that's when we showed the, uh, the FedEx logo and, and uh, illustrating the, the point that uh, there are things that uh, exist today, and God has to unveil them. God has to reveal them, and he does And uh, in his time and his season. And when God hides something, let me tell you, it's a really difficult thing for you to figure it out. But when he reveals it, it's very hard for you to miss it. 
And uh, God has his way of revealing things to us. And God does not hide things from us. He hides things for us. And uh, in this last day, there are especially a lot of things that God has revealed and made known. And then, uh, you know, I just wanted to say, like I said on Wednesday night, I appreciated Brother Matt being here on Sunday and uh, uh, the service and dealing with the book of Zechariah and how that, uh, you know, he just uh, walked through that. And uh, I, I just, I especially love the book of uh, I, Zechariah. And uh, there's so many wonderful things that are pertinent to our time uh, that are in that book and uh, many things that we can enlighten ourselves with. And so uh, we're, uh, I was really blessed last Sunday and I was blessed by the way you reacted to that too. And uh, I, it's, it was just such a, a blessing to be in that atmosphere. Um, I wanted to say this morning that, uh, you know, as we live in, in the time that we're living in, and uh, even though uh, God has raised up ministry all over the earth, we had, uh, you know, a prophet that came in the last day, and things were centered and focused on him, and rightly so, because when God sends a prophet, the word of the Lord can come to a prophet. Now all of a sudden he's saying things that uh, uncover many truths about the, the day that we're living in. Isn't that right? Prophets have done that all uh, all through through time. Uh, there are things that are laying there, and God places his prophet on the earth. He begins to speak. Uh, he's not only telling things to come, but he's telling things present. He's letting us see and hear things that are that are unfolding at present. And my goodness, that's a powerful thing. And we're thankful for that in this last day. It's not something that uh, we should ever, ever, ever let become common. And everybody said... And so uh, this this season that we live in, one of the things that Brother Branham pointed out to us, and I've illustrated this many times, that prophets orient us as to where we are in the timeline. Isn't that right? They tell us where we are. You are here. And it's not a guess, but we know exactly where we are in the timeline of God. And in the scripture, this is where we are. When you go in the mall, if you're like me, uh, you like to look for the red dot on the directory, right? I always look for a directory when I go in the mall, and I'm looking around for that red dot on the directory that says you are here. Because nothing else really makes sense, unless you're a woman who likes to shop. I like to shop, but my wife likes to shop. And so, doesn't matter her where the, doesn't matter to her where the red dot is, she'll just start at the first store and go into all of them, just about. And uh, that's just the way she enjoys it, and that's okay. Uh, but uh, for me, I like to know where I am. And when a prophet comes, uh, like, uh, like we have had in this last day, uh, he points to the timeline of God and the whole spectrum of time and says, you're right here. You're right at the very end. Now, lots of people previous, lots of people prior to him made, made uh, declarations about the time that we're living in. But a pro- when a prophet says it, that's a little bit different. Would you agree? And he said, you're right here at the very end. So after this, the Jews come after that. Uh, you know, there's, a, of course, a, simultaneously is a wedding supper. And then, uh, you know, a thousand years begin to unfold and all the other things that come after that. And we're thankful for that. And, and so after that prophet, God raised up ministry. And, and who knew, but uh, God has got a fivefold ministry. And I'll say this, that uh, we may not all be preaching the same way, but it's important that we're all preaching the same thing. We may not all be preaching the same way, and I'm not like everybody else, and everybody else is not like me. And everybody said, thank God, thank you, Jesus. But I mean, God has his people for his reasons, and God makes people a certain way. 
And we can go back and try to reverse that and be something that we're not because then we're hypocritical. And God doesn't want you to be that way. He wants you to be yourself. He wants you to be what God made you to be and be where God's placed you and do what God's, God's instructed you to do and do what God's put in you to do uh, for this hour. And we may not be all preaching the same way. That really doesn't matter. But we should be preaching the same thing. And the, and the thing that we are concerned about is getting a bride prepared and dressed and ready to ascend into that kingdom and uh, to be in their right place over there on the other side. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about preparation. This is all about uh, God developing your character, your spiritual character, in order to make you ready to uh, ascend into the other side. Now, take your Bible. I'm going to ask you, because we're going to do this manually, I'm going to ask you to look in a couple of scriptures and uh, go back to, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 30. And we've, we've discussed the book of Isaiah, chapter 30 now, several times, and I want to just revisit it again. And there's two or three scriptures here that I want you to, uh, want you to take note of here today. Isaiah chapter 30. This is one of those promises that God gives about returning and rest and uh, going back to the promised land. Uh, they're in captivity. And God's telling through Eliza, uh, uh, sorry, Isaiah that uh, God will restore, God will bring them back. And these are the promises that they hung on to here. And in verse 15 of Isaiah 30, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. And so this was the thing that God wanted to instill in the people. But how many know that there's a time when this happens? There's a, God may prophesy it, but there's a time when that happens. Because God says it doesn't mean that it always happens instantly, right? God told Noah to build an ark. There was not a rainstorm the next day. There was a season that they had to go through, and there was a reason for that season. And, and uh, God tells Israel uh, over that time in verse 18 here, and this is what I wanted to get to, that therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment, and blessed are all they that wait for him. So all of a sudden now, in this promise of restoration, hey, we're going to go back, and we're going to see the land again, and God will prosper you, and all of these things are detailed in the, in the book of Isaiah. But, but Isaiah wants to make sure that the people understand there's a waiting process in this whole restoration. In this going back, there's a waiting here. And you know what? It means that ultimately God's in control as to where God's people are going to be and when they get to where God's determined for them to be. Does that make sense? That God's made the promise, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you back, but I'm going to do it in my time, not your time, but I'm going to do it in my time. And I'm going to do it in my way, and I'm going to do it with my, uh, my way of getting things done. And he says, so therefore, blessed are they that hurry up and get this done. No. Nope. Blessed are they that, uh, you know, make their way back to Israel as fast as they can. No. Nope. That's not what he says. Blessed are they that wait on him. And when you wait on him, God will eventually, if this was for you, God will make this clear to you, and you won't miss it because God's determined to get you back, and that's the promise in the first place. I hope that makes sense. And I want you to just, that's very simple, and I want to be simple today, but I want you to hold on to that thought. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Now, many of these people that Isaiah is writing to are not in Jerusalem. They're not in Zion at all. Zion means the place where God hangs out with his people, and that's not where they were. They're in captivity. They're away from the land. But he says, for my, for the people of God shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. So they will come back. 
Just just mark this down. You can take this to the bank and you can deposit it. God's going to get his people back into Jerusalem again. And when they get there, thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. And when he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers and thy ears shall hear a word behind thee. In other words, get what he's saying now, that there's going to be all kinds of things that transpire between today, that you've heard the promise, and when we get back there, and even when you get back there, certain things are going to happen, but I want you to know I'm with you, I'm, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be the one who uh, causes this to happen, I'm going to set the timer, and I know exactly when it's going to happen, and I don't have any fear or any doubt about this at all, it is going to come to pass, and he says, in that day, He says, this you will hear, verse 21, Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, and when uh, when ye turn to the right, and when ye shall turn to the left. Don't you worry. There'll be a voice there all the time guiding you and telling you, this is the way. Keep going. This is right. This is the right direction. How many are thankful for that? That's the same God that we serve today. He just doesn't send us out and say, here, take your Bible, take all the messages now and uh, make yourself a road map or every pastor is going to make a road map and I hope you get there, see in the millennium. God doesn't do that. He says, I'll be right with you. And there'll be a voice there saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Go to the left and go to the right. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so, I'm so grateful that that's the kind of God that we serve because, uh, you know, there's a lot of things about, uh, that realm and that kingdom that we really don't know. There's a lot of things about that whole, uh, world and, uh, all of that we've never seen before. We just believe by faith it exists and we believe by faith one day we'll get there. So therefore, I, uh, I, I wanted to just give you a couple of little statements here to get your thinking in this, in this idea of this uh, concept this morning of waiting uh, on God for uh, what he has next for us. And uh, that delay between when God makes the promise and when it actually happens. So we could say that, uh, you know, between the time that Noah made the promise and uh, uh, when, when they uh, actually saw the rain come and they were all inside the boat, there was a, there was a space of time. And uh, in that space of time, you know, I mean, there's probably a lot of days when people said, well, you know, Noah's building a boat, but nothing's happening, nothing's changing. Or when God made the promise to uh, to Moses, and Moses takes the children of Israel out, and it seems like, wow, we should just enter right into the promised land. They don't. They go through a period of 40 years. And that 40 years, we know, is a proving time, wasn't it? Where God allowed, you know, certain things to become made manifest during that time. God's always got a reason. And as we read in Isaiah right here, that God does that, that he may be gracious unto you. He says, and therefore the Lord, uh, will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore he will be exalted and he'll have mercy upon you. And so this waiting is not, uh, not a bad thing like the world may think. Well, the world may look around and say, well, nothing's happening and nothing's going on. Or like the people looked at Noah and his family and said, well, you know what? You're still here. I mean, after 10 years, you guys are still here. And then after 25 years, you folks are still here. Imagine, 50 years. And then 75 years. There's, this is, hey, Noah, whether you realize it or not, this is 75 years since you came out and preached that first sermon about the flood. Remember that? And, uh, you know, they probably reminded Noah, hey, good to have you still here, you know. And then, then 100 years. 100 years. And they're going up to Noah. Really? Right? Imagine if you imagine if that was you, or or let's say uh, imagine if that was uh, Abraham and Sarah, 
And, and you were neighbors of Abraham and Sarah. And, uh, you know, uh, Noah, or sorry, Abraham, a lot of years ago, you had uh, made an announcement that you and Sarah are going to have a child. And uh, we see Ishmael over here, but uh, we certainly don't see any, any, we don't see any signs in, in uh, Sarah, for sure. And uh, five years, ten years, fifteen years. And to somebody who's just casually observing that, they might say, you know what, nothing's changed, nothing's happened. But now the opposite is really true. God is saying that, they, blessed are they that wait upon the Lord, and uh, that I may be gracious to you. God is actually doing something, and God is actually blessing you during that time. Huh, it's not how we think. Now, <clears throat> let me give you a couple of very quick statements here. And this is the message, 1957, that Brother Brandon preaches in Canada. And it would be well worth it for you to take a look at this one. And the title of the sermon is called, Stand Still. 1957. And he says, it's a nervous age. And then he says, I give this solemn warning to the church. Stand still. He said, God always commands to stand still before he does anything. God always commands to stand still before he does anything. That's interesting. And then he says, um, the churches, he said, are in a neurotic state, and every church is uh, proselytizing and pulling and fussing and stewing. And he said, it's a neurotic age. But he said, stand still. And that's the message. Stand still, and that's the message. My, you could, we could think of lots of examples here with Moses. You know, he, he knows that there's a promise of taking Israel out of Egypt and going back into the promised land. And after a while, Moses looks at this situation and he says, you know what? I can begin this process. I can trigger this whole thing here. And he kills that Egyptian and hides him in the sand. Was it, was it, uh, uh was it the kind of thing that God had in mind? Absolutely not. Now, when God did it, there was all kinds of uh, Egyptians who were destroyed. But I will tell you something. When Moses did it, all he accomplished really was a, a ticket out of there and getting out of the promised land. He had to wait until God was ready. And that timing of God, that clock moved just in the right season. And then, uh, then God uh, allowed it all to happen his way. Right? Very simple here. Very simple. Now, <clears throat> Brother Branham also said that God does not, and this is the message, God revealing himself to his people in 1950. God revealing himself to his people. He says, but... But he says, don't ever argue with people. This is what he's saying to us. Don't ever argue with people. You just stand still and let God do the arguing. I wouldn't argue. Now remember, this is 1950, and this is the time when uh, Brother Branham was invited to debate with uh, uh, Reverend Best. And this is when the picture of the pillar of fire was taken. Remember that? And uh, Brother Branham was uh, constantly asked, you know, well, maybe you're afraid. You don't want to debate this, uh, this minister and uh, meet him in, in, uh, in Texas there. Uh, maybe you don't want to, uh, maybe you don't, you're afraid of that. Maybe you're reluctant to get up and argue with somebody who really uh, knows the scripture. And Brother Branham says, no, he says, you, you just stand still and let God do the arguing. I wouldn't argue and wouldn't debate with no one. He said, I don't believe it in the first place. And I can only state what's the truth. And if you want to believe it, all right. And if you do not, he said there be others who will believe it. Because God never does things in vain, right? So he says, don't ever argue. Don't debate. God's word is not to be fussed over like that. He said, every person has the right idea. 
Everyone's right in their own eyes, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't debate their position. And so Brother Branham says, all right, you don't need to do that. He said, God will do that. And so Jesus did not contend with the Pharisees and the lawyers and the scribes back in that day. He just, he just gave them the whole counsel. He just told them what the word said. And he asked some great questions in the process, right? He threw questions back at him, and, and it was really great. His responses were really great. But he didn't sit there and argue with them. He didn't, uh, even when he was a little boy in the temple, he was expounding on the scripture, right? He was talking to them about uh, his father. And so there, there's no need for a fuss. And my goodness, there's no need for a fuss among us. There's no need for a, a, a debate among us here. Because you know what? In time, let me say this as a general statement. <clears throat> butting heads is only going to prove who's got the harder head. And you, God's going to bring his word to pass in his season anyway. So I might feel I'm right, but Tim might feel he's right. And I will tell you what, the best thing is to do is rather than disfellowship him, let's just let God bring his word to pass. And as long as we both get there, you know what? We should have that attitude that, hey, if I'm wrong, uh, you know, may God have mercy on me. And if Brother Tim's wrong, may God have mercy on, on him and correct all those things that are wrong in our thinking and get us both there. That ought to be our attitude. Isn't that right? So Brother Bram said there's no place there for arguing. Now, how many believe that God sent a prophet? All right. Now, <clears throat> in the church age book, Brother Branham brings in this statement here, and I'd never seen this before, and I just want to... Uh, drop it in here. He says, and so we come to the last age, and this is the Laodicean age, and he's describing it and talking about it. And he said, this is our age, and we know it is the last age for the Jews are back in Palestine. No matter how they got there, he said they are there. So we know we're living in the last time. And this, he said, is the harvest time. Here's a sentence I need you to hang on to. He said, but before there can be a harvest, before there can actually be a harvest, when things are taken in, there has to be a ripening, a maturing of both the vines. That's what he says. Before there is to be a harvest, and before you hear that combine start up and go out in the field, he said there has to be a ripening, a maturing of both the vines before that harvest actually takes place. <clears throat> well, that makes sense. <clears throat> And of course we know that a, a, a ripening, the English word ripening, it means to come to a full development. And I will tell you that, uh, your common sense will tell you that uh, a young person does not come to full development until they go through many things and it takes time. You know, I've said before to you about driver's license. How old are you? You're sitting in a great place this morning. Welcome aboard. Good to have you. What's your name? Elijah. Elijah? Well, it's a great name. Are you Elisha then? <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Elijah, welcome to HBT. Good to have you this morning. I know you're only here for the dinner, but just stay with me here for a little while. How old are you? 17. Do you have your driver's license? Do you have your driver's license? Huh, good. Praise the Lord. Do you have, do you have your driver's license? You do? How old are you? 18. How, what's your name? Jeremiah. Good to have you. Man, I'm sitting among... It's like walking into the scriptures this morning, the pages of the Bible. <clears throat> I got news for you that nobody, nobody wants you to be driving. Nobody. I'll guarantee you that state troopers don't want you to be driving. Your parents don't want you to be driving. We don't want you to be driving. Uh, the insurance company definitely doesn't want you to be driving. You know why? Because you've got seven years until they've determined that your brain is fully developed. You know that? You're... <laughs> 
Don't laugh, folks. His, you're looking at an undeveloped brain here. He thinks he's fully developed, but he's not. And the insurance companies will change their rates for him when he turns 25 or when he gets married. Because either age will develop his brain or his wife will beat it in the position, right? Now, look, you're not supposed to be laughing at times like that. Your wife knows how to get your brain in subjection. So if you don't have a wife, you got insurance, right? And insur- <laughs> insurance does not... Sorry, you're sitting in the right place this morning, too, here. Yeah, you hang on. Uh, let me tell you something. that you, you here, nobody wants you to drive because you'll make decisions, really, that are not from a fully developed point of view. So welcome to stupid, you know. Not Hey, I didn't say he was stupid. I'm just saying that... That without a fully developed brain, you're gonna make, you're gonna make some decisions that are, you know, everybody, like the state trooper who comes on the scene and then the insurance adjuster who comes and they say, we told you so. And it, God forbid that you, that you have an incident like that, but that's how, uh, like, uh, that's how, uh, insurance companies look at it. That's really how they look at it. Now, other parts of you are developed now. Your stomach's developed. Uh, because if you go in, remember in the old days when they had buffets? Remember that? The old days? Pre-COVID, they had buffets. And you go in, they say, if you're uh, older than 13 or 14, if you're, if you're older than that, then you pay adult price. Because his stomach's already developed. So they know he's going to eat like a horse, right? But as far as his brain and making decisions, that's not fully developed. All I'm saying is this is that Brother Branham says that before the harvest comes, there has to be a maturing. And a maturing process takes time. It's not an overnight thing. It's not, it's not an incidental experience. You don't come, wake up one day and say, whoa, I got it. Whoa. No, that's not it. It takes time. And during that season, you're going to go through many things that teach you things so that uh, when you come to the place of being ready, uh, you, you've, you've learned a lot of things. You've got things in place, Right? I believe this with all my heart, that God never takes anybody off the earth until they're ready. And God's got to put you through things in order to make you ready and make you think a certain way about things. And I'll tell you what, it's in just saying that, and let me be real sincere this morning in saying this, because I don't know where all of you are, except Jeremiah here. But I will say this, that there's a lot of times when the image we project is, is would be similar to our profile. So like if you're, if you've got social media and you create a profile for yourself, and whether you're LinkedIn or whether you're Facebooked out, either way, you put up, you put up things about you that you want people to see. And you know, I'm, uh, single, suave, debonair, charismatic, independently wealthy, handsome, and uh, all of these things Jeremiah might put up there. But you know what? The, the reality may be a little bit different than the profile. And we can project a profile. You can come to church here this morning and project a profile and, and an image of uh, how you look. And I'm thankful for how all of you look. And, and, and yet the reality might be a little bit different. And I want to say to you this morning that it's really okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. Because there are some people who are sitting here looking like everybody else. But they might be going through some difficult things. And they might be going through some tough times. And they might be struggling with decisions. Or you may not be feeling well. Or you may not uh, like the fact that you're aging. And you can't do anything to stop it or slow it down. Or whatever else. You might have a spiritual question. You might have a personal issue that you're dealing with. And a lot of times we don't, we don't advertise that. We don't put up on our profile and say, Hey, this is, this is Brother Barry. I'm having a terrible time. I'm going through a deep, dark valley. And, and everything, everything seems out of cater. And everything seems to be in a mess. And my 
goodness, I can't untie the knots, and I don't know what the answers are, and I don't know where to go, and I don't know what to do, and my goodness, I'm, I'm 18 years old, and I'm not married yet, and uh, Brother Barry says I'm stupid, and all these other things here. You're not going to put that up in your profile, because that's not what we, want, what we want everybody else to see. But I'm telling you this morning that God doesn't even look at your profile of what you say. He knows the heart. And it's okay not to be okay. Now, it's not okay to die that way, but it's okay for you to be not okay today. And what you should do is, in the the ripening or the maturing process, it's all right for you to go to God and say, Lord, i got a problem, i got an issue, and I'd like to lay it at the altar, and I want to give it to you, and I want you to uh, just speak to me, Lord, and and deal with me your own way. And I believe when you do that, you're manifesting, to me, you're manifesting uh, the right kind of an attitude as the Son of God, because you're not walking around pretending and uh, acting like you know it all and you got it all, I, I believe it's all right for you to lay your, your needs and your cares at the altar this morning and to present your petitions before God and say, I, I struggle with certain kinds of temptations and I'd never want anybody to know what I'm going through. I'd, I'd, I'd never want to say this to anybody. And I've watched people struggle and labor and become nervous even when you talk to them and you get close to that. And they don't want to go there because they got that, they got that issue well guarded. They got it well uh, fortified. And they don't want anybody to go there because they think that people will think differently about them if you go there. I remember as a young man, I thought, you know, I... I just, uh, I looked at every, before I was married, and I thought, wow, if I don't get married, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna explode. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass away if I don't do it. And I took every scripture that related to young men, and every, uh, scripture that related to modesty, and everything I possibly could do, and I, I practiced it, and I memorized it, and I tried to learn it, uh, because, uh, you know, physically, uh, you're, you're changing, and, and, and yet, it's a season of life that God did not want me to marry just anybody. He had somebody in mind for me to marry, and you know what? I had to grow up and learn to wait on God, and when I learned, grew up a little bit and learned to wait on God, God brought me the right answer to all of the issues that I had. I just didn't know uh, who she was. I didn't know where she was. I didn't know how to find her. Uh, I didn't know how to connect with her. But God knew all of that already. How many remember when Brother Matt spoke last Sunday and he said that if somebody's watching a rerun of something, they're not concerned at all about the setbacks along the way. They're not concerned about what happens because they know the end already. Already seen this, already know. So if he's watching a race, there's a, uh, you know, maybe there's a crash or a bump or a delay or something else. He's not worried because he knows the outcome. He knows who's going to win anyway. And so no matter what takes place, he doesn't have any fretting at all. And we're sitting there fretting sometimes and we're worrying about things and we're, uh, you know, we're cracking our knuckles and we're trying to find all kinds of uh, solutions to our problems. Hey, relax. It's not your will. It's his will. It's not your plan for your life. It's his plan for your life. And let me remind you that you forfeited everything when you wrapped your arms around Calvary's cross and you surrendered your life to him and said, Lord, you take my life and you control me now. And Lord, it's not me that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And when you begin to practice that, you know what you're doing? You're ripening. That's the way God wants you to think. That's the way that God uh, wants you to look at things because he does not want you to do stupid Because if God's leading you, God doesn't do stupid. We do stupid, right? We do silly things. And we do things impatiently. And so therefore, uh, God doesn't want us to to do that. He wants us to learn to wait on Him. And this is elementary now, but hold on. And Brother Branham says, and show us the Father and it will suffice us. And he's talking about sowing seeds here. And he said that, uh, you know, Jesus said the word was a seed. And uh, he said, then he's he's out in Oregon and he talks about how you people in Oregon grow crops and so forth. 
And he said, you don't go out in the morning and dig it up and look at it. He said, you plant a crop of corn every morning, go out and dig it up and say, what's this? He said, I don't see anything going on here. He said, you farmers don't do that. He said, if you do that, it'll never grow. All right, here's the line. You can't dig it up. you got to commit it to the ground. That's the place for it. Every time you dig it up, you delay it. Wow. God's got something for your life. God's got something in your in your way, in your path. And you don't want to be digging that up. You don't, you don't want to be digging that up. You don't want to be saying, all right, there's some boy. And he's got my number. He's got my, my, uh, my profile. And wow, he's interested. This must be the perfect will of God. Well, if you're 16, it's probably not the will of God. Unless you live in Arkansas. All right. <clears throat> now, this delay is a tricky thing, and I want to just, I, all I want to do is leave you, uh, don't worry, we'll eat. Brother Branham ran into this in his own ministry, in his own life. Because he said one time, something moved on me and made me say, you'll have a son. You'll call him Joseph. Remember that? Yeah. And then he said, about six months later, he said, we found out we were with child. And Brother Branham said, wow. He said, wow, this is amazing how fast God moves, you know. And, you know, he's just thinking in himself. Now, I've got the quotations here, but let me paraphrase and say this. When that baby was born, it's a girl. And they call her Sarah. Do you know there was a brother in the church who was a part of Branham Tabernacle who made it his business to get on the phone and call everyone in that church and say, see, he said it was going to be a boy. And Brother Branham gets up and says, no, I didn't say that this child was going to be Joseph. He said, we could have six girls before we have that boy. I just said, something told me we're going to have a boy. But this person got up in Brother Branham's church and called every single person in the, in the church uh, on the phone and made sure they understand that Brother Branham said one thing and this thing happened over here, so now we have a right to question his ministry. Now I say that to say this, that whenever there's a delay, whenever God's people are waiting for God to fulfill his word, the enemy goes to work right away. The enemy goes to work right away. Let me give you an example. You remember in Luke chapter 8, it's a story of the Gadarenes that we've used it many times lately when Jesus goes over to the across the, the sea and uh, the lake, and he, he goes up on the mountain there, and the maniac is there. Now, before that happens, if you go back and you can read it on your own, the whole chapter of Luke chapter 8 is filled with miracles. And the Bible says that, uh, you know, he did this miracle, and he did that miracle, and then all the people followed him. And it says, and he stood and healed them all. So, I mean, even if you had 100 people, that's a lot of people. But if you had 10 times that amount, 1,000 people, for the people that followed Jesus, I mean, there was, there was a lot of people who were in need back in that day. I mean, that's a lot of people. Imagine how quickly word would spread around, right? So, you know, there, there are great things that are happening there. And he's got this healing revival that's going on. And then he's got, <clears throat> then he's got this other miracle that happens on the other side of the lake. And the, the maniac is healed over there, brought from the dead, and he's, uh, you know, he's made, made normal, and, uh, you know, all the things happen with the swine and so forth. But let me ask you, between those two revivals, what does Jesus do? 
in Luke chapter 8. If you remember, what Jesus does is say to the disciples, hey, let's go across the, the, the lake here. And they all climb in the boat together. And what does Jesus do when he gets in the boat? What? He goes to sleep. You know what he's doing? He's resting between revivals. Does that mean that nothing's happening? Well, let me tell you one thing that's happening. As soon as Jesus goes to sleep or rests between the revivals, you know what happens? The devil comes there and creates a storm. Because whenever there's a delay, whenever there's a, that little gap or that season there, Satan is always at work. Always at work. And he comes and he creates a storm and they wake Jesus up because the Bible says that the boat was filled with water. Now, when you're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and it's pretty big, I've been there many times, and you're sitting in the middle of that, and you're in a boat that's full of water, that's not the right place to be, right? That's not where the water should be. And they're looking at this, and they're looking at Jesus, and he's sound asleep here because he's resting between revivals, and they're looking at it and saying, well, we've got to wake him up. And he wakes up, and he looks at this, and he commands the storm to be calm, and you know what? They make it to the other side, and then the revi- another revival kicks in over on the other side. But whenever, whenever there's a space or a gap between the revivals, the enemy is always right there to work. Can I give you another little statement? This is a sermon called Awakening Jesus in 1963. And he says those disciples were doing the same thing on this side over here. They were rejoicing and they were living on what they had seen done probably the day before, the week before. And they were testifying about it, giving great testimony. And then they get in the boat and go across the sea. And he says, how do you know, as Jesus in their day was resting between revivals, how do you know maybe he's resting now between the revivals? I'm just saying what the tapes say. How do we know, let me say it again, that as Jesus in that day was resting between revivals, So here's something that's ordained to happen, because Jesus said, I only do that which pleases the Father, right? And here's something over on the other side with the Gadarenes. That's something that Jesus steps into. And, he, you know, he's he's being led by the Father, because now he's going outside of Israel, and he's being led over here to the Gadarenes. And right in here, he's got a rest between the revivals. Are you okay? Don't get nervous here, folks. And he says, how do we know that maybe he's resting now between the revivals? Oh, come on. Think about it now. The way Brother Branham preached it and the way Brother Branham talked about it, we should have been, if we took his words literally, we should have been out of here a long time ago. Right? I mean, most people figured in 1977 at least we'd be gone. Didn't happen. And there's a lot of people, and I know people, who took all their spoken word books and their Bible and brought it to the door of the church and left it right there and said, well... It didn't happen. Nothing's happening. That's it. I'm walking away. I don't know if you, some of you are nodding your heads. I know people that did that. Because based on their understanding of things, they said, oh, well, it all can't be right. I mean, it's all false. And if he said that and said that, it, Brother Bam never said the world would end in 1977. He did absolutely not say that. And, and so therefore, uh, you know, when you, when you think about it, there are times when uh, maybe Brother Bam's asking the question so we would understand that Maybe there's, maybe there's a, a space of time. Now, we know that he is our God who never slumbers or sleeps, right? God never slumbers or sleeps. But maybe there's a space of time. And if I read Isaiah correctly, God's going to bless you during that time. How? Because that's a good question, isn't it? How? 
And here's where you need to take your Bible. You need to go to Esther chapter 2. Let me give you two examples here. Everybody still love me? I need you to watch now real closely here. Now, we're in a mixed congregation, but I think you Bible readers know the Bible well enough to understand what the the terminology is going to be here. Now, we know this whole foreground, the four-story backstory of Esther and how that Queen Vashti does not show at the king's commandment. And uh, therefore, he's advised by his advisors that, hey, man, if you don't uh, deal with this very strongly, then every woman in the kingdom is going to... Uh, take an attitude towards their husbands and so forth. So you're going to have to put away Vashi and get yourself another uh, another wife here. And I'm paraphrasing, and that's kind of a loose paraphrase because there's more to that than just what I said. But this is where now they begin to uh, recruit, if you like. They're looking, they're seeking out a suitable woman to be a queen of the king. And so they're going to take these women in, and there's many of them that come into the kingdom. And Esther is chosen as one of them. And she goes into the palace and goes through a waiting period. How many know that? She's waiting. Now, I often wondered why they had to wait so long and what was it that was actually going on. Let's read Esther chapter 2, drop down to verse 9. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him. And this is the steward who is receiving the women who potentially may become the queen of the king. Stay with me now. Not going to be much longer. And he speedily gave her things for purification, which such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. So when the, when the keeper of these women saw Esther, he just, he just immediately, wow, this is a special girl. And, uh, you know, assigned these maidens to help her, gave her everything that she needed for purification. And Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred. And that means that she never told anyone that she was a Jew. And so Mordecai had charged her that she not show it. So she has a real true identity that's not made known, and she's inside the palace. And then it says that Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what would become of her. So every day he shows up at the palace and he's kind of looking around. He's trying to get to know somebody, maybe get an inside word on how Esther's doing because there's no word at all. And this goes on over a period of time. This goes on over, now nothing's happening. I mean, Mordecai's not doing anything. And uh, Esther, there's no word from her. And so it's just this time period here. And he's just waiting, waiting to hear something from Esther. Verse 12. Now when every maid's turn was come to go into the king, Ahasuerus, after that she had been 12 months, and that's the waiting time. She had every, everyone who came in to see the king. Now when every maid's turn was come, after that she had been 12 months, according to the manner of women. For so were the days of their purification accomplished. You understand what it means when it says according to the manner of women? Right? These are things that women deal with? Excuse me. And he says, after that she had been there 12 months, according to the manner of women, for so were the days of their purifications accomplished to wit six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet odors and with other things for the purifying of the women. 
So here was Esther. Now, you know, I mean, the way that uh, perfumes and oils and so forth are made, you don't need to bathe in it six months for you to, to reflect that, right? Because you ever been in an elevator with somebody who got a little zealous? And sometimes, you know, you feel like turning to that person and saying, I'm not saying anything here, but if there was a canary in this elevator, it would be dead, you know. (laughs) Why is she waiting? Why is she made to wait 12 months? Why is it that they take every girl who comes in there, everyone, not just Esther, but every girl who comes in there, and they can ask them questions? They can say, have you been married before? Have you known a man before? Have you done all of this? And uh, they, they could ask these girls. And, I mean, they, they could make all kinds of inquiries. And these girls could tell, swear on a stack of Bibles. Oh, yes, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I've never known a man. I've never been married and so forth. And uh, all of this, they could do that. But you know what they're doing over that whole time period, that 12 months? They're proving that she does not have the seed of another man. Because you know what? In 12 months, that's going to show up. So we're not, we're not taking her word for this. We're not taking everybody's word. Because these are women that are brought in from all over the kingdom here. And we, you know what? These, these different cultures have different customs here. And so we're not just taking everybody's word for it. Just like, you know, somebody says, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Uh, you know what? That can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, right? Are you following me? But you know what we're going to do? We're going to let these women sit. They're going to bathe. They're going to apply these uh, perfumes and oils and so forth. But one thing is for sure, at the end of that time period, we're going to find out who was telling the truth or not. Huh. Interesting, isn't it? Because they're doing this after the manner of women. That's, That's what they're doing. They're looking at this because if this woman has been promiscuous, then you know what? We're going to find out. In the next several months, we're going to find out here. And it'd be no doubt. But if we wait for this whole year, we're going to know that this woman is pure. And now she's not got the, uh, the, you know, the seed of another man here. That this, this child born to this woman, it's got to be purely the king's son. It's got to be the product of the king. Are you okay? So we want to be sure of that because we don't want to have a question here. Because if she winds up expecting here after a month or two, <clears throat> you know what? <clears throat> if we hadn't tested her, we really wouldn't know the identity of this child that's brought forth. But now they're proving. Now we're removing absolutely any doubt whose son this is or whose daughter this is. Can I go a little further? Take your Bible, if you will. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 32. And you know the backstory here. <clears throat> The backstory is that here are the children of Israel, and they're out. <clears throat> they come out in Exodus chapter 12, 10, 11, 12. They come out with a high hand, and they're out in the desert, and, and they're waiting on Moses now because you know where he is? He's on the mountain. And God is writing down commandments with his finger. In. He's, uh, he's writing commandments on the stone. And uh, he, he's giving them to Moses there. And then, you know what, after 40 days or so, because... Hey, they're complaining. They say, you know what? We don't know about this Moses and where he is. And we're here. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. And you know what? Aaron, let's, if you don't mind, 
Why don't you come over here to the brother's house? We're get, we want to have a little brother's meeting here. And we want to just propose something. And we're not telling you what to do because you're Moses' brother and you've, you know, you were with him in Pharaoh's court and all the rest of it. So we're not telling you what to do, but let's just propose something here. And they propose a scheme to him. And they're saying, look, I mean, we've given Moses 10 days, 15 days, 20 days, 30 days, 40 days, and he's not around. He's probably not coming back. He might have died upon the wilderness. We all know how terrible it is on top of the mountains these days. And so therefore, why don't we, why don't we, uh, establish a, 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 a form of worship? And why don't we create a little church on our own here? We could call it the church in the wilderness. And we could have our own place here. And you know what? We have no shortage of gold. I mean, we have no shortage of earrings and, and necklaces that, that God allowed us to bring out. When we, I mean, it's a blessing of the Lord that we have all this gold, right? Imagine how they must have, I don't know whether they did that or not. I'm just paraphrasing. But, you know, they're, they're convincing Aaron that, uh, you know, maybe we could do this. And we got a guy over here who knows how to melt all that, mold all that. And you know what jumped out of the fire when Aaron agreed to that? Because he said, the people pressed me and they, they convinced me to do this. You know what happened? All of a sudden we had a golden calf. And the golden calf, not really that big. It's just, you know, kind of a, s- a small thing there. And they had it, but everybody bowed to that. And you know what that symbolized? That symbolized the worship of where they came from. Here's what I want you to leave with today. You watch in the delay to see if there's any seed sown. Because in that time period, if there's the wrong seed there, it's going to show. If the right seed is there, it's going to show. If there's no seed there, that's going to show too. You know what the waiting time is, really? You know what the delay is? Proof of who's who. the delay, the the waiting period is going to show the real you. Because if you've got a golden calf seed in there, you've got the worship of where you come from, you know what? In the waiting time, if you don't have something greater than that, you're going to go back to that. That's what they proved. Leave them alone. Nobody's there. Uh, It doesn't say that Satan showed up. It doesn't say that false prophets came into the camp. This was within their own ranks, wasn't it? It was within their own ranks. And they decided among themselves. And all of a sudden they produced a golden calf here. And it was evidence that where they had come from was not really purged out of them. Right? Because they referred to the thing that they used to do. And this is the way we really, this is the way we worship God. And this is the way we went to church. And this is how, it's the songs we sang. And this is the way we acted here. And they were proving that that never really came out of them. You can take the boy out of Egypt. But you don't always get Egypt out of the boy. Are we okay? But with Esther, we proved over time. That there was no wrong seed there at all. And she was somebody who was preserved for the king. Think about it. There is one, to me, there is one redeeming characteristic about the bride of Jesus Christ. And that is this. We're not interested in any other seed. We're not interested in any other message. I will say this categorically. We're not interested in any other movement. 
We're not interested in going back. We're not interested in going to the left or to the right. We're interested that if God's got us here, how many believe that God knows what he's doing? How many believe that God knows exactly where he's leading? How many knows that if he's resting between revivals, in other words, between the days of a prophet and the days where the wedding supper actually takes place and where our bodies are changed, and God's got us here in this season. You know what he's, you know what's actually happening is the maturing or the ripening of the bride. Come on, folks. We didn't need to have, I mean, if, if there's one prophet and, uh, let's just say, you know, a million believers around the world, we didn't need to have another million William Branhams. That's not what God intended. God intended to sow a seed here and, and to open up the, uh, the mysteries of the word in the last day and to impregnate our hearts and souls and to help us realize that we are actually a part of the bride of Jesus Christ. And God wanted us to ripen under that light in that last day and to become what God placed in our hearts to be. And God wanted to, God predestinated us as members of the bride in this last day. And God wants you to grow up and become that and manifest all the characteristics of that bride. And you find people are going, you know, they go back over here and they, you know, they're making a website to discredit this and they're, uh, you know, doing other things here. Let me tell you, you know what? They picked up another seed somewhere. There's another seed that's manifesting itself because all seeds manifest itself. But the bride, the bride of Christ, the Esther of the hour, they're, they've got nothing in there that's pulling them this way or that way or something else. They're waiting on their moment with the king. They're waiting to go in with the king and to be with him. They're waiting for that moment when they have entrance into his presence and and he receives her unto himself. Let's stand to our feet. That's exactly what God is doing in our time. And it's not any time that we should say, well, uh, you know, nothing's happening. We have to make it happen ourselves. I would say this, saints of God. I would say this. Like David said many years ago, he said, trust truly my soul waiteth upon God. And from him cometh my salvation. And he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. And I shall not be greatly moved. You know what I think we should do in the meantime? Until uh, until our bodies are changed? You know what I think we should do? Because you know what? We've already read the end of the book. We ought to rejoice and thank God that we've been included. We ought to rejoice and thank God that we've been purified by the washing of the water of his word. We ought to be thanking God that uh, we, are, uh, we are one of His and that God's predestinated us for this hour. And He wants us to stay pure, stay alert, stay ready, and uh, to stay in tune with Him. He wants us to do exactly what the instructions are given to us to do. He wants us, I believe, to uh, worship Him because we know it's a, it's a done deal. There's going to be a bride in glory. There's going to be a people on the other side. There's going to be a people there that take that throne with Him. And God's called you. God's chosen you. Not because you've done great exploits and not because we're rich or noble or, you know, popular in the eyes of this world. God has chosen us because he predestinated us from before the foundation of the world. And that blood is following that Lamb's book all the way down through and calling you into his presence and calling you into his glory. I'll tell you what, saints of God, we stay pure to the word. We don't want to open ourselves to any kind of wrong thing or anything else. May God guard our hearts. May God keep us just focused on his word. Just stay right there, Lord. Keep me centered on that. Lord, I don't want to embrace the wrong thing. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to be like those Israelites there. Leave them alone for a little while. Watch what they go after. Leave them alone. Watch them where they go. But with Esther, month after month after month, hey, she's pure, staying right there. 
the right things are happening. She's in the right position. She's, she's manifesting the right virtues and ready to go into the king's presence. What a blessed people we are. Let's sing it this morning. All I want to do is love him. So glad I feel his love for me. And Jesus paid the price of redemption on the cross of Calvary. Every day my heart will praise Him and I know I'll never be the same. So all I want to do is love Him, love His holy name. Sing it again now. Yes, all I want to do is love Him For me and my Jesus paid the price of redemption. Glory, oh, every day my heart will praise Him, and I know I'll never be the same. So all I want to do. Is love him, love his. Oh, sing it again now. Let's raise our hands and sing it to him. Yes, all I want to do is love him. For me, Jesus paid the price of redemption. The cross of Calvary. Oh, every day my heart will praise Him. The same. All I want to do is love Him. This world could not do. You saved my soul when I was lost. Surely been good to me. Save my soul when I was lost. Surely been good to me. You saved my soul when I was lost. Surely been good to me. You have done what this world could not do. You filled me with the Holy Ghost. Surely been good to me. This world could not do. Oh Lord, 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 you've surely been good to me. Yes, Lord, 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 you've surely been good to me. Yes. 
was sick Surely been good to me Healed my body when I was sick Surely been good to me Healed my body when I was sick Surely been good You have done what this world could not do Sing it now from 
God. He wants you to stay pure. He wants you to stay true. He wants you to make sure that whatever you hear, we filter it through the Word of God. He doesn't want you to have anything manifest wrongly in your life. And in your believing, you know, everything about you was to be affected over that waiting time here. And you know what? It's God being gracious to us. Because you know, at the end of the time period, you leave the bride alone for a long time. Just leave her alone. Let, let God establish a waiting period here. Hey, and God's not afraid to let it go out 120 years. We don't know how long this whole thing's going to go, right? We don't, we, we have no idea. We don't know how far out God will extend things. We don't, there's all kinds of things seems like got to happen in the world over here. And we don't know how long this thing's going to be. But you know what? One thing about the bride, if she, she's, she's absolutely virgin to the word. She has no other seed there. You know what? She's going to just going to stay pure. She's just going to stay. There's nothing, nothing absolutely going to disqualify her from going into the presence of the king. Oh, my, I tell you what I think. That's why God, uh, you know, he changed Sarah back. Abraham and Sarah changed her back. And then King Abimelech is going to marry her. And God says, no, 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 no. I've got something special for her. I've got something, I've got someone special for her. And God is watching over his bride, I believe. Make sure, hey, we stay true to the word. How many times does Brother Bram say that? Come back to the word. Bring it back to the word. And, and that's, that's, our, that's our standard. That's our, that's our place that we check everything. And that's what God wants. He wants a purity in you that, um, that a lot of people would never understand. We're not trying to make anything happen. We're just enjoying the presence of God. We're, just lo- we, we're looking with expectation that something's going to take place. Something's going to happen. In the meantime, hey, we should rejoice. We should grow in grace and knowledge, lay in the presence of the Son and mature and uh, become what God's ordained for us to become. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we end our service today, Lord, how we're, how we're reminded, O oh God, that your ways are not our ways, Lord. And some men count this whole thing as maybe slackness, like Peter prophesied. And say, where's the promise of this and that? But Lord, to us, predestination holds the whole thing. Nothing can be altered from the Lamb's book of life. Lord, we rest in you. We're moving towards the kingdom at the same time, but we are at rest. And Lord, the people of God, they, they rest in your arms of understanding, Lord. We We say, Lord Jesus, keep us pure. Keep our hearts pure. Keep our minds pure, Lord. Help us, O God, like David said, to wait upon thee. Because that's where strength is, Lord, when we wait upon you. Minister, Lord, I pray in this assembly, may we always stand true, stand pure in your sight, Lord. Father, may your presence, Lord, draw near to those that are sick today and need your touch. How we miss them. And Lord, I pray that you would draw close to them. Bring healing, Lord, to their bodies. There are many that are here, Lord, today. That, Lord, despite our profile, Lord, we know that there are needs we have. And we bring them with confidence to you. Asking you, Lord Jesus, to touch us. And drop a word, Lord, in there that would be a help to us. How we thank you for your presence and your love to us. Bless the balance of our day now. We put it all in your hands. In Jesus' lovely name, amen. Falling in love 
some clothes you want to change into, you're certainly welcome to do that. We'll have dinner first, and then there'll be some activities after that. Everybody's welcome. There's enough food for everybody. And uh, we certainly invite all of you to partake and enjoy a little fellowship this afternoon. And uh, I want to say that I appreciate you as an assembly and as a group of believers. Uh, just I love to be here and uh, appreciate you all very much. And uh, may God bless you. May God bless our, uh, the balance of our day sing it now this morning and we're, we'll sing a little bit but jaron sing a couple of choruses with us but we'll with this we'll let you go this morning and may god bless you falling in love with jesus, falling in love with jesus. Best thing I ever done in his arms. Oh, in his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, never disconnected. In his arms, I feel. There's no place I'd rather be And falling in love with Jesus Falling in love with Jesus Oh, falling in love Was the best thing I ever done. Sing it again, falling in love. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love. 